Hello and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for Tuesday, July 30th. As I record this, it's 11 something p.m. Uh, This is episode 27 and uh, once again I am recording this at Gabe and Cameron's apartment just a few blocks from my apartment. This is in Cobble Hill and I am watering their plants. Um, So... It just took me about half an hour at least to water their plants because they have many and many require lifting and bringing them to the sink and letting them soak, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not a natural with plants, so every step takes me twice as long because I'm figuring out if I'm doing it right. And um, and I don't know which plants you know, don't have interior you know, lining or whatever, but I have figured all that out. And I may come back and water them again, but I um, don't think I'll need to before they return. So, uh, But once again, I am surrounded by many, many books here, including I just noticed one that I didn't notice last week when I was here, but uh, 100 and, what is it? 101 Easy Asian Recipes by Peter Meehan, who was the editor-in-chief of Lucky Peach. And I know Peter, uh, did I mention this last week? Maybe, but um, he plays in the great band Spectre Folk. Um, uh, with this guy Pete something, and currently also with Steve Shelley and Mark Eibold. And um, Peter is a good friend of my friend Bradley from Grateful Dead Night. Well, beyond that too, but... And Peter famously, infamously, accidentally took my jacket one one night at Dead Night. Um, yeah, I think I did tell this story last week. I can't remember. Um, anyway, so, yeah, let's see. Last week, well... Um, we had Grateful Dead Night, monthly night at threes. Uh, Scott was in the house. Scott is Scott Devendorf is usually there at least once every other month, um, but his touring uh, usually keeps him away a lot of the time. And uh, just learned he will not be there on August 21st, which is our next one. But he was there last week, and it was a good time. All three of us, Scott, Bradley, and me, were there. And um, we each took turns. I went in the middle slot. And it was a lot of fun. I, I usually like to stick to July or like the whatever time period we're in. Like if it's July, I'll spin stuff from July. But uh, throughout the career, but I, 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 I kept within the 79 to 85 sort of range for whatever reason this time with a few nine, weird 90 ones. Um, Scott at one point threw on a 29-minute Dark Star, I think, so he could go chat with... Um, Liz and also uh, their friend Nancy, my friend Nancy too, who had shown up. So he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna go uh, talk for a bit," which means I'll put on Dark Star. Um, so that was a fun night. Uh, what else happened last week? Well, other big fun stuff was Saturday. Um, Oliver and I decided to go down to Dumbo, just a couple of subway stops. We got off at F- York York Street. And we walked over to, like, uh, you know, the waterfront, the Main Street, Brooklyn Bridge Park, and then um, the Carousel, the Tobacco Warehouse. And we ate at that timeout market, which I guess has been there six months or something, or maybe a year. I don't know. I don't think it's been that old, actually. But um, it's like a little food hall they've made inside 55 Water Street. And it's exactly what you would expect, which is it's pretty good. It's slightly expensive, but um, the food is good and it's kind of chaotic and maybe you'll find a place to sit down and eat. And um, 
So we went with the Pat Lafrida burgers, which was not my first choice, but Oliver's still very picky with what he eats. Um, and I didn't want to spend $12 and have him not eat something. So got some sliders and he ate those. Um, and the place was pretty fun. It's also, I, when I heard it was a place called Time Out Market, I didn't realize it was like Time Out, like the media brand, but it's like Time Out, the magazine market. Um, so anyway, and I guess they were closed for a few weeks because of a health code violation with their refrigerators were not running as cold as they should have been. Um, but they're open again. And uh, so... That went well. Uh, after that, we went up to the roof, which Oliver loves climbing the stairs up to the roof of 55 Water Street. We passed the steps past Gabe's place of work. Um, and then, uh, let's see, we moved on to past the carousel under the bridge, uh, walked up the steep hill up Columbia Heights, although I tech- think it's technically called, is it called Emmett Street? I can never remember what that's called. Um, but at the top of the hill, it becomes Columbia Heights. And uh, so we walked up there, we walked down the promenade the length of the way, uh, made our way all the way back to Court Street. And then as soon as we walked by Barnes & Noble, he wanted to go in. We bought an Elmo book called Off to School. Then he was too pooped to walk the about 10 minutes from there back home. So we waited for the B57 bus. Um, so that was Saturday afternoon. And then at night I met Pete and we took the G train to Myrtle Willoughby and then walked about a 10 minute four long block walk to um, over to the Market Hotel, which is at the sort of frontier of Bushwick, uh, sort of the gateway to Bushwick there and uh, from these from the southwestern side, I guess. And we saw a great NYC taper show featuring with the poster featuring great artwork by Daryl Norson. Um, but the show was headlined by Chris Forsyth from Philly. Um, and then also in the bill were Garcia Peoples, who I love, as listeners know, listeners of this podcast. And um, also Dire Wolves from San Francisco, although it seems like they're kind of from all over the place. And um, Weak Signal, which I only heard like two seconds of and I wish I had listened to more. I didn't realize they were about to end when I walked in. I actually thought, I actually thought it was Dire Wolves on when we walked in and that we would... Because I couldn't really hear what was going on, but I saw someone on. Because of the time, I thought, oh, I've got another 45 minutes at least to hear. But turns out I was actually catching the end of the first band, Weak Signal, so I didn't see them. So that's a bummer. But Dire, uh, Dire Wolves was really good, uh, very out there. And as Pete pointed out, you got to respect an opening band, uh, you know, opening on the bill type level who just goes for it in terms of far outness. And they did. Um, guess I wish it was a little shorter because it was a hot summer night where everything's moving kind of slower than normal. But um, I say that only because I I seem to like get to a place fast with them. And I was just sort of like staring at them, letting their sound wash over me and also looking out the back window as various J and M trains went by. Um, And it got to be a point where I was like, whoa, I need a break of some sort, like go outside or um, step out into the little merch area but um i stuck it out because like when you get that close to an end of a band set it's like you're there you know you're like you're like, you're like I'm, I'm i'm riding this out I'm, I'm part of it now part of the team so dire wolves was excellent um oh and this on sax they had sitting in this guy uh geez what is his name is it jeff or josh um from 
formerly of the band Pegasus, uh, which was a Taka Taka label made actually, I guess, on Ernest Jennings record, but currently of the great band Sun Watchers. Um, he sat in on saxophone and he is so good. And like the tone of his sax was gorgeous, of his tone of his playing. Um, so that was just like, uh, that was kind of a highlight of, one highlight of the evening for me was listening to his sax playing during Dire Wolves. Um, so then Garcia Peoples came on, and this is the first time I've seen in person the mythical other member of Garcia Peoples who write, co- writes or co-writes half the songs at least and lives in Chicago because he works there and is never really a performing member of Garcia Peoples, but he was there and he is a fantastic like rhythm guitar player. He's sort of like the Bobby to the 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 sort of dueling lead guitars um, of um, of uh, Tom and the other guy whose name escapes me right now, but um, the other guitars. But he was really good. This guy, I think his name was Derek, and um, uh, great singing voice too, like really great. Um, so this six piece Garcia Peoples with Caesar on drums and Andy on bass and uh, PG six on keyboards. Really, really just, oh, fantastic. Um, so I think they're playing August 7th uh, at, at uh, Brooklyn Bowl with Riley Walker and Helen Rain. Um, I cannot go because I would be going on vacation like the next day, but otherwise I would be there. Um, and uh, then Chris Forsyth played as the headlining set, and he did his sort of like pretty much instrumental um I think it's always instrumental with him. I'm not sure. Uh, kind of like guitar, like sunny guitar, but psychedelic and rock and jammy. Um, let with jammy by far the end of that. Even though they like jam, it isn't like jam band sense. It's more like it's out there. It's it's just like long '70s guitar in a way. It's really great. Um, and Garcia Peoples were his backing band. Uh, Show ran a little late. Unfortunately, like I left during Techno Top, which I'm guessing was the last song of the night, um, because our friend Greg, uh, who lives like around the corner from me, said, "Hey, I'm taking off." And I'm like, "Oh, let's share a car home because I'm about to fall asleep because uh, it was so late." And Pete came too, so that was our night. Great night there. Um, the next day, woke up and we went to Coney Island. Oh man, how long has this been going on? This podcast. Been a while, so we went to Coney Island. Uh, Oliver loves it. Uh, it was um, <laughs> it was really fun. He rode. I rode the Cyclone. He rode his favorite rides. I rode a couple of his kitty coasters with him, and and it was really hot. But uh, we went early, left early, got back home by one thirty, which is kind of the way to do it, I think. Um, and that was the week. No, nothing exciting has happened so far, in the, and then two days after that, so. Uh, so I guess we'll move on to uh, music. Uh, let's see. What did I listen to? Chance the Rapper album. Uh, what is it called? The First Day, The Good Day? The First Day is David Bowie. Um, the Big Day. Um, what a day. It was, It's pretty good. Um, I really like it. I am not a uh, knowledgeable rap listener, and um, I kind of just like like to listen to stuff that is I don't know. It's like I feel like I'd never learn it enough to be authoritative and have an opinion on it beyond thinking like some of it is like so, like a certain like chances like rapping for example. I feel like his rhythm is like in like unarguably like impeccable. Um, and I think he was going for sort of a more pop st- sound on this. It sounds like uh, I think it's great. 
I think for some reason it's getting a little bit of like flack. I don't know why, um, but good record. Um, so Randy Newman's on it, and Randy Newman is a longtime hero of mine, going back to like when I was 14 years old. Um, and uh, so I ended up listening to uh, that. This chance thing is funny. Like this isn't why I was listening to Randy Newman the other night. The reason I was listening to Randy Newman is because I've uh, had you've got a friend in me stuck in my head for weeks now, and um, you know, obviously it's a Randy Newman song. And I looked on Spotify, and Randy Newman that is by far his most listened to song on Spotify, as you would guess. Um, it has 89 million streams, and then like the next number two in Randy Newman has like 10. And it's like it's all soundtrack songs, so none of the songs that Randy Newman is known for as a like sort of biting singer songwriter are in that list. It's all like stuff from Toy Story four, three, two, um, and then like I guess he's like got a Monsters thing or something else, Bugs Life. I don't know, but um, so I listened to uh, for some reason I listened to Bad Love, the 1999 record, which I think is great. Um, my favorite Randy Newman album is probably. Ugh, I mean, it's probably good old boys, um, but it might be tied with Land of Dreams, which is the one I the one that I bought when it came out. Like so, which always has a place in one's heart. Um, and you know, well, at this point, I'm going to go on about all the records, so I should stop myself. Um, but <clears throat> Bad Love is like sort of like this outlier record, and, and it came in the middle of like sort of like long pauses on both ends, on both sides of it, but really strong record. Um, so, and I just listened to the Sundays, reading, writing, and arithmetic, because I read a great article online in longreads.com that my friend David Obachowski wrote about his super fandom for the Sundays, but also wanting to write a definitive, literally, where are they now? Because they they disappeared purposely. Uh, they are very private people, and he wanted to like unearth them and tell their story, their current story. So it's an article article about his search for that. So I read that tonight and then I listened to that album coming over here and then watering these plants. Um, it's such a, it's such a great record. The Sundays are so great. Um, I hadn't listened to it in probably literally decades. Uh, um, and then I guess I'll move on to books quickly because I'm not sure how much time I have left on this. This might be a short podcast um, because I can't... <laughs> I lost track of where we were, uh, but anyway, books. I started Mother American Night by John Perry Barlow, John Barlow, the founder of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the longtime rancher, the one-time boss of John F. Kennedy Jr., one-time president of Wesleyan College or University, uh, one-time Grateful Dead lyricist, Bob Weir's lifelong best friend, um, what a life. Um, so I'm halfway through this book, Pete brought it to Grateful Dead Night to lend to me. Uh, so I'm reading it. I'm probably going to buy my own copy because it's going to be part of my little Grateful Dead library. Um, but Barlow is an incredible, <laughs> what an incredible person, what an incredible like, sort of attitude he had. Uh, libertarian in the truest sense of the word, I'd say, with none of the awful baggage that that word has car- begun to carry over the last, well, who knows how long. But um, Barlow is like truly an, an individual. And... Uh, you know, just reminded of how lucky I was to have a 20 minute conversation with him, um, like six years ago. Like what a, what a funny, smart, engaging person. Um, so that book I'll probably, I I have a, I have a, 
I want to finish it before the next time I see Pete in two days so I can give it back to him. I may not make it, but what a book. Um, and after that, I, I got a few more teed up. And I'm wondering if I should read this, His Dark Materials. I, I don't know what, what in pop culture drew my eye to it, but I'm wondering if I should read it. I think they're making a TV show or something out of it. Seems like something I would like, but anyway. Um, I guess that's it. I'll wrap it up with that uh, sitting here in this apartment in Cobble Hill. I'm going to walk home soon. Uh, so this has been episode 27 of the Conrad Light. Oh, you know what I wanted to talk about quickly? I keep putting this off, but I love transportation. I love airports. And um, my friend Chris Thurlow, who is a friend of the pod, um, travels often um, like globally for his job at USAID, um, USAID. And he sends me photos of airports wherever he's at. And some of the more interesting ones have been Goma in the Eastern Congo, uh, Conakry, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, in Guinea in West Africa. Um, and then he likes to compare it with the obviously awesome, well, well-known well awesome Singapore and Zurich airports. But uh, um, Zurich with the best airport bathrooms I've ever um, encountered. Uh, anyway, uh, so... I want to shout out to Chris and and let this be a uh, a plea for more uh, far flung airport photos because I love those. Um, and he t- he sends everything like the terminal, like what the customs line is, the outside, the taxi line. Like I really get a sense of what it's like to be there. It's awesome. Um, maybe one day I'll get to an airport like this. I think the craziest airports I've ever been to are the old Leningrad um, air. Well, basically just the Leningrad airport in 1991 was insane um they just had a small terminal building and rows and rows and rows literally in like lines of 10 of aeroflot aircraft and when they bus you from your aircraft out on the tarmac to the terminal they would go up and down each aisle and the idea was that they were showing off all of their planes to the foreigners because we had flown in on klm but um yeah, one day I'll do a I'll t- do a deep dive into my trip to the Soviet Union because that was that was something else. Um, but other than that, yeah, episode twenty seven, Conrad Life Report, eleven twenty or so at night here. Uh, see you next time. <laughs>